Jesus' teachings during the Sermon on the Mount, I want to look at the passage where he talks about storing up treasures in heaven rather than on earth. And I think this is a passage that is really difficult to translate into English because there's a lot of meanings behind the words that aren't fully conveyed in just one English word, because this whole passage is really talking about so much more than just money. And so I want to kind of dive into a little bit today some of the meanings behind the words that are used. So this passage is in Matthew chapter 6, and it begins at verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus begins the passage here by talking about not storing up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. And like I mentioned, treasure and, and that word, that idea of treasure, really does mean so much more than just money, right? That's why we have the phrase, one man's trash is another man's treasure, where we're describing that something is seen as treasure not because of what the object is or any kind of monetary value, but rather the value that the person places upon that object. And that's what makes it then this treasure, is it's, it's something that is seen as having value. It's something that is precious to that person. And so that's what we need to keep in mind when we're talking about treasure, is not just the monetary value of something, right? Not just how much can I sell this object for, but rather what are we placing our value on? And is this something that we are seeing as something that is valuable or as something that is junk? You see, we choose, there's this choice that we make on what it is that we are going to treasure. And that's one of the cool things about the word treasure in English, right? Is it's, it can only just be used as a noun. It can also be used as a verb. So not just as an op. Uh, as an object, but also as an action, that we are choosing what we are going to value. We choose what we treasure. And that's kind of more of what's being discussed in this passage, of not so much just, well, store up possessions in heaven rather than possessions on earth, right? That doesn't really make sense because there's no way for us to store possessions in heaven. Rather, it's saying, choose to value things that are heavenly instead of choosing to value things on this earth. So store up treasure, store up that feeling of I value this, and choose to do that with things that are of heaven. In other words, things that are good and things that are eternal, 
rather than things on earth that are temporary and corrupt. And like Jesus points out in this passage, those things of the world truly are temporary. They don't last. If it's clothing, you can have moths eat away the clothing, or they wear away over time. Or if it's, you know, something like gold, well, somebody could come in and steal that gold. So the things that we accumulate here in this world are temporary, and they never truly become ours. They, they never really become something that belongs solely to us because somebody could always just steal it or it can deteriorate over time. And, and even then, even if, say, we have something and it's in our name and it's something that won't fade away over time and it's something that we have locked away for, so nobody else can get it, as long as you have enough time, you will reach a point where that thing is no longer yours. And Solomon kind of talks about this in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of those books that can be kind of depressing at times. Um, it doesn't really put a positive spin on a lot of things, but there is a lot of wisdom that comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes recently, and there was a part that really stood out to me. It's in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, and it begins at verse 18. Solomon says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish? Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil, into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun, for a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving? with which they labor under the sun. And this is an excellent point that Solomon brings up in this passage, that everything you accumulate, well, when you leave this world, that's going to be passed on to somebody else. Somebody else will take ownership of that object, which just goes to highlight even more how silly it is to try to place the value and pursuit of our life into things from this world. Because not only will they deteriorate over time or have the potential to be taken away from us, whether by somebody stealing it or maybe, you know, a, a great accident like a fire or, or any number of ways that that thing can be taken away from us or broken or, or lost. But also that when we leave this world, Somebody else's name gets put on it instead of ours. It's no longer ours. But things that are from heaven, things like joy, peace, bringing someone into a closer relationship with Christ, helping them understand scripture, those are things that last. Those are things that don't go away. And that's why it's so much more important for us to place our value 
into those kinds of things. And I'm not saying that that is what gives us value. What I'm saying is in our perspective, we view that thing as more valuable and worth more time and effort, worth more of pouring ourselves into it than anything else that is found in this world. And so while we're here in this world, we don't want to place any more extra value on things that are temporary and not be storing up our treasure and treasuring the things on earth, but rather treasure the things that are from heaven. Pour our heart into things that really matter. Jesus then goes on in this passage to talk about the eye and how the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. And and this might seem like it kind of comes out of the blue in this passage, and we're not really sure what Jesus is talking about. You know, you were just talking about treasure, and now you're talking about a person's eye and, and it being the light of the body. Like, well, what are you talking about here, Jesus? Well, let me kind of break down a little bit of, of what Jesus is talking about here. The term that is used here of a person's eye can kind of be translated and interpreted a, a few different ways. So one of the ways it can be used is to describe a person's disposition. So what is something that catches this person's eye? What is something that if, you know, you put three different things out on a table, well, this is the object that that eye is going to look at. That And because that person just naturally has the disposition of being drawn to that thing. That's where their gaze goes, right? That's a person's eye. It's their disposition. What, what is it that attracts them? What are they looking towards? It could also mean a person's understanding of something. So just like if we were to read a textbook, and we are reading through the information that's there, and we're gaining a better understanding of that thing. That's another thing that this term, the eye, can be used for, is that taking in of information, looking at the world around us and, and perceiving what is around us and gaining a, gaining a better understanding of that thing. Uh, another way that can be used is in a person's intentions. So if I'm walking down a path, I'm not going to be looking off in some other direction. I'm going to be looking in the direction that I'm traveling, showing that I'm focused on moving myself in that direction. I'm looking down the road because that's where I plan on going. So th these are a few different ways that this term of the eye can be understood, of a person's disposition, their understanding of the world around them, and kind of their intentions. So if we take all of those different ways that this term can be used and wrap it all together, then this phrase of the I is referring to a person's interaction with the world around them. It's the interaction between our spirit and the physical world. So that's what Jesus is talking about when he's saying the I is the lamp of the body. The way that our spirit interacts with the world around us. That's the I. And if the way that we interact with the world around us is healthy, then our, our world will be full of light. Our whole body, our whole spirit will be full of light. But if the way that we interact with the world around us is unhealthy, then our life will be full of darkness. 
That's what this passage is talking about here. And the way it ties into what he's talking about as far as treasure and what are we treasuring, and is it worldly or is it heavenly, we have to catch the fact that it's, it uses the phrase, the eye is the lamp of the body, and that eye of our spirit is meant to be singular. It's meant to be a singular eye. What is our eye focused on? What is the natural disposition of our spirit when it comes to the world around us? How do we understand and, and kind of think through the events that we go through and what direction is our life headed? That is all the makeup of our eye, and it is meant to be focused on one thing and one thing alone, and that is God. So that's how this passage of, you know, these verses of Jesus talking about the eye as the lamp of the body ties into him talking about storing up treasure in heaven. What he's saying is focus on eternal things, not just in your mind, but in the way you interact with the world around you. Because if the way that you interact with the world around you is through that lens, through that eye of the world or your own spirit, it's going to leave you in darkness. But instead, we need to look through our eye and interact with the world around us through the lens of Christ. And rather than kind of taking our faith and, and what we believe and who God is and our relationship with him and kind of dragging that along with us everywhere we go, that instead we need to place it in front of us so that we can be watching who God is and following in his example and then we can follow suit. So instead of us saying, well, this is where I'm going and I'm bringing God along, to say, I'm watching for what God is doing and what he wants me to do, where he wants me to go, what he wants me to say and do with my life, and I'm going to follow that example instead. So just like how, you know, with sunflowers, a sunflower doesn't face the same direction all day long. Sunflowers follow the light of the sun as it goes across the sky. It's focused on that sunlight. And the way that it is facing is whatever direction the sun is in. And in that same way, our life needs to be following God's direction. And we need to let him take the lead for us. So don't store up treasures on earth. Don't be looking at the things on earth and, and chasing after those things and saying, well, this is what's valuable. This is what I need to be chasing after. But instead, focus on God. Treasure the things that are from him and follow in him so that your body can be full of light, that your whole life will not be in darkness, but will rather be in light. And he ends this by saying that, there's, there is this choice to be, make, to be made because no one can serve two masters. You have to pick the one thing that you are going to be following. Now, in the NIV version of the Bible that I read today, it ends with the phrase, you cannot serve both God and money. 
Now, some different versions of the Bible don't use the word money. They use the word mammon. And this is because they're saying we, we're, there's really not an English word that works for this, for what is trying to be conveyed here. So let's just go ahead and use the word mammon and, and we'll just leave that word in there. But mammon is a word that refers to any kind of gain. So, so any kind of worldly gain. So that could be your income, right? What do you gain from working your job or you earn the income? Or, you know, for many people that Jesus was speaking to, their mammon was the crops that they produced. It was the fish that they caught. It was everything that they gained. And so what he's saying is that you cannot live your life focused on and treasuring many things. You, you can only focus on one thing. You can't serve two masters. So either you will serve God and make that choice to serve God, or you will find yourself serving this desire to gain things in this world. And if you can only gain one of these things, if you can only focus on one thing, and you chase after that worldly, meaningless gain, what Jesus wants us to understand is that meaningless gain is actually a loss. You actually aren't gaining anything. You are coming up with a net loss because in that pursuit of what is worldly, you are losing what is so much more valuable. And Jesus has this great discussion with his disciples after Peter tries to convince Jesus to essentially not go to this place where he will be in danger. He doesn't want Jesus to die. Now, of course, it was Jesus' death that was more valuable than anything else in all of history. And Peter was trying to dissuade Jesus. Jesus, don't go to this place. You'll die. And Jesus, in response to this, he gives this teaching to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 24, where he tells them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will, he will reward each person according to what they have done. So he poses a very powerful question here. What good is it if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? There really is nothing that is of equal value to that. And the way that he ends this about people's actions being rewarded accordingly parallels so well with 
what he kept saying in the Sermon on the Mount, that those who are doing things, practicing their religion in order to be seen by others, have already received their reward in full. People who try to accumulate wealth and prosperity here in this world have already received their reward in full. But they have exchanged their own soul in pursuit of these things. And Jesus is saying, your life, your soul, your relationship with God is so much more important than anything in this world. It's so much more important than anything that you could buy or anything that you could wear. Changing how you look in order to look better. In order that other people will notice you more and like you more. That Those things are so temporary. They really do have no value except for the value that you ascribe to them. But the things of God, the things of heaven, are valuable because they come from God. And we need to recognize that value instead. And I think sometimes we can confuse ourselves into thinking that something has more value than it actually does. That something is spiritual when truly it is only physical and place more important importance on it than we should. I was reading this book recently about churches that have died and uh, it's, it's called Autopsy of the Deceased Church and it's this guy that is speaking to many different people whose churches have died and, and kind of identifying common factors for what contributed to that church's death. And there was a story that he tells in that book about this church that fell apart. And, and even though there was various issues that the church had, that ultimately it could be traced back to a single room in the church. Because this room was very important. It was the most special room in that church. And because it was so special and everybody saw how special this room was, they would fight over it constantly. They fought over who could use the room. They fought over what could be done in the room and what would not be allowed in the room. Uh, they would fight over how the room would be decorated. And they fought and they fought and they fought over this single room in the church. And that fighting was ultimately what led to that church falling apart. And I give this as an example where we can say, well, well, this is a room in a church, and a church is a holy, sacred place, and so it deserves to be valued far above anything else, right? This, this is God's house. And in doing so, we take something that is really a physical thing, something that is made out of the components of the world, and it dwells in the world, and give it more value than it really has. Because what is supposed to make 
a church sacred, what is supposed to make a church valuable, is not what kind of furniture is in it, it's not what color the walls are, it's not where it's located, but just like with the tabernacle in the Old Testament, what made it important was the presence of God. That the reason why the temple was somewhere that everyone wanted to go was because that is where the presence of God was. And so to take something, even like a room in a church, and place value on it, but if God's not there, it is only a physical place. It's not heavenly, it's worldly. But sometimes we can place extra value on these things and fight so hard to protect them and and accumulate more of these things. And the more we gain, the more we lose. Sure, there are probably people in that church that they were able to gain say over what that room could be used for because they donated some of the furniture and and so they had this saying and boy, they gained the authority over that room. But they lost the mission of God. And the more and more they, they gained, the more they actually lost. You cannot serve two masters. Are you storing up worldly treasures or heavenly treasures? What what are you focused on? What is the lens through which your spirit interacts with the world around you? And is it through the lens of what God values? Or are we simply chasing after things that are temporary? And we need to look at our actions and let God test our actions to show us what is it that we are trying to accumulate? What is it that we are pursuing? What are we trying to gain? And is it worth it? Is it it worth the value that we place on it? Or are we giving it extra value than it deserves? And are we chasing after things of this world? Are we chasing after physical things Or are we chasing after a relationship with God and chasing after the work of his kingdom? And we need to let God test and examine our actions and show us what is it that we are are pursuing. And when we look at our actions, when we look after what we pour our heart and soul and life and time and money and energy into, Are those actions going towards eternal things or physical things? It's not just about money. This passage isn't just about money. It's about the focus of your life. And what is it that you are treasuring? Because God will reward each of us according to our actions. So what do our actions look like? What do our actions reflect? Our actions are going to reflect the condition of our heart. And what we value, what we treasure, what we chase after, what we try to gain. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And God examines our hearts. He rewards us according to our actions. 
and he is going to be testing whether we want or not, whether or not we are pursuing things of this world or things of heaven. And so we need to ask ourselves, do my actions show that I treasure eternal things or physical things? And rather than storing up treasure on earth, we need to treasure the things of heaven instead. And that's today's sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to, wherever you're listening to this, like it, share it, all of those things that help spread the message um, to more people. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.